0: Welcome to the Frame of Reference podcast. So this episode went back to the roots of why I love having long form conversations. I spoke with Joe Templin, whose book Everyday Excellence was the Kindle number one new release in professional development. We spoke about the importance of standing out, building confidence, channeling ambition, and lots of interesting topics in that realm. He's an ultra marathoner, a martial artist and a special needs father with a keen emotional IQ. There's lots of pearls of wisdom in here for people looking for not just advice, but just guidance in their career, in their ambition and motivation, finding a purpose. And Joe is a good example of looking at variety as the spice of life. Just listening to his story and his exuberant energy is, it's just contagious. And his story just will wow you and just show you that anybody can achieve success if they put their mind to it. So without further ado, here's Joe.
1: All right, hello Joe, how are you doing today? Ash, I am doing awesome. How are you doing, man?
0: Well, I mean, it's a great way to start a Monday. Just, you know, I'm an amazing conversation to start the day and uh, I'm looking forward to, to, you know, Picking your brain on a few things, and I saw you call yourself the human Swiss Army knife, and I think that's a great way to to you know position your your brand. So why don't you just introduce uh, yourself to the guests a little bit? Um, I, I'd love to hear uh, about your book
1: and a little bit more. Sure. So I'm the author of Everyday Excellence, even though people can't see it because we're audio only, but doesn't matter. It's you know just getting into the spirit of things. Um, My background is highly, highly eclectic. And I have done a lot of different things over my life with what I've learned. And I am a sponge. I try and learn new things every day and incorporate them into my mental framework so that I can be better. And that is really what the book is meant to do is I'm a human Swiss army knife because I can solve lots of problems. But my buddies say that I'm actually a human Kaizen expert because we can apply this concept of continuous improvement across multiple parameters to ourselves as individuals. And if we continuously force ourselves into a growth mindset and get better in multiple different dimensions, What that does is it opens up new opportunities for us, whether it's with work, whether it's with relationships, whether it's with our physical capabilities, uh, whether it's with how we interact with our kids or our uh, community. And so being able to adopt that mindset of I'm going to improve myself in some way somehow today and every single day creates a compounding effect that over an extended period can be pretty tremendous.
0: And, you know, one of the things I like to ask people when they get into this sort of field of not only enlightening or sort of uh, shedding some sort of wisdom um, that can help others, you know, the goal being helping others and helping others shape themselves. How did you get onto that path? Like, what made you think like, hey, today, this is going to be who I am? um, Or is it like an amalgamation of you know, things and experiences you've sort of lived throughout your life?
1: It's really an amalgamation, but it goes back to my parents. And as the Wright brothers said about how to, you know, become a great human is to be born to great parents. And they said in rural Ohio, I was actually born in upstate New York. But, you know, my dad was the first generation of his family to go to college. He was an army ROTC guy. Uh, than a consultant. And so I learned a lot about running businesses from my dad. I learned a lot about um, personal responsibility and all that. My mom was a nun, grew up on a farm family too, so all that. And then she was a college professor. And so that's where my love of education, of knowledge, and the resilience came about in a lot of ways because growing up on the farm, guess what? You fix things. And if you don't work, you don't eat. And I like to eat. So that's where the work ethic came from. So these aspects of my personality have always been there. It's been how do you enhance and apply them in a lot of ways? So I started college when I was 13 because my parents said 12 was too young to start college. Um, Was at the Hopkins program, then went to RPI doing my physics degree, working for the government. And... Then ended up having a, a tremendous right turn right after I finished my bachelor's degree because of uh, personal tragedy, we ended up losing the family farm because of a death. And so went into financial planning and then, but along the way, I would always been picking up new ideas, new things. I'm a martial artist, so I learned a lot from that. Um, Uh, was in leadership in my fraternity, so I learned a lot of aspects there. And when I was 10 years old, I told my mom, I want to learn everything there is to know. And so my mom was like, okay, better get started because you got a long way to go. And that keyed off just the lifelong love of learning. And so, you know, working in financial services, I started studying behavioral psychology and performance psychology, which led into other components. Um, the martial arts led into understanding of nutrition and human performance, which eventually led me to running ultramarathons. Um, being a special needs parent led me to understanding more about coaching and development and being able to work with kids, which enhanced my leadership as a Cub Scout leader. So having all these exposure to new ideas, new concepts, being very high on openness in the big five with also an off-the-chart conscientiousness from growing up on the farm has given me this capability to continuously grow and develop and it really does come down to the the individual mindset i talk about uh success in business comes from two main components skill set and will set and it is enhancing that will set properly that leads to all the other good things in life
0: that's a, that's a great um, phrase right there about will set I'm, I'm all about uh, willpower and the attitude that it takes to get there so I mean it's something that you touched on that I love talking about is the big five personality traits uh, openness uh, conscientiousness ext- extroversion, uh, agreeableness, uh, I believe in the last one is neuroticism. Yep. So um, we all need like a certain balance of it. And to say, you know, there's
1: no one formula to success, right? Um, well, we don't necessarily need balance as long as where you are on it is, one, you surround yourself with people who can deal with it. And two, you are not so extreme as to be detrimental to what you want to achieve overall. So if you're so far into openness that you are just constantly doing new things and going places that end up becoming dangerous, all right, that's going to an extreme. Same thing with the other extreme. If you're so traditional that you, you know, basically become a Luddite and don't evolve and can't contribute because you have to do things exactly the way that they've always been done, that's, you know, if you're getting out to that, like, last one tenth of one percent you know same thing with conscientiousness if you're a complete and total, you know dumpster fire and kick anything done that's obviously bad but the other extreme of okay getting that top one percent or one tenth of percent of work ethic and drive well you know what that's where exceptionality actually exists so as long as you're not becoming a horrible human being or you're like Uh, you know, running over little old ladies and stealing shopping carts and stuff like that. I mean, being so high on some of these things that it makes you unusual and you can't fit in with 85 or 90% of the people, you know what? Then you find your tribe that actually lives in that space and you can be leader of the pack. That's a
0: great point, right, like, and I think that's what we are mostly exposed to, right, like, so thinking from an everyday personality, right, like, I've always thought of myself as a jack of all trades, you know, I'm young as well, but a lot of my audience and listeners will be young, and thinking of younger people, I mean, relating back to your experience, um, you know, you said you're, you've tried these various things, you're an ultra marathoner, you know, you're into martial arts, you've learned yeah. a lot of things, What point did you say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to be an expert on this yet. Um, Or, you know, I'll let a a failure here and a failure there not really shape who I am. Um, Because right now you said, hey, you know, I'm open to to new experiences. There's a hindsight experience there. But in the moment, you know, when you're having the the drive, the ambition, when society is saying, well, you should be here and you yourself may be somewhere else. Uh, And you know, path to success isn't always linear. Where do your, where does that attitude come from? Like, how does that something that you, how is that something you developed over the, over time?
1: Um, one thing is you have to become very comfortable with failure. So uh, athletes, you know, baseball players, all right. You know, if you hit 300, you're going to the hall of fame. Um, you know, lo- learning to lose and to hate losing so that after every, loss you learn as much as possible to get yourself better because some people are like oh i hate losing i'm not going to try and then others are like i hate losing i'm going to cheat that's even worse but then there's the people who are going to play the game and play the game right and say okay i did not win this game what can i extract from that where's my pearls of wisdom and excellence that i can take from this so next time i'm better and so that's something that I learned early on, and like my military friends or my friends who are doing star companies, is you shorten your loop, your feedback cycle as short as possible, and de-riskify things. So, for example, you want to try something new. Hey, I want to try to, you know, cook this particular type of meal. You know, I want to learn to cook Indian foods. Well, you're not going to go out and spend $500 on spices and you know do all this stuff. You know, you go and you try it a couple of different places and get an idea and then you do micro experiments. Okay. That sucked. All right. Why did it suck? All right. For this reason, this reason. All right. I'm going to try again, slightly different. And you do these little experiments, essentially, and you get better and you might decide, you know what? Okay. I've tried playing golf a couple of times. You know what? I don't like golf. All right but you didn't spend $5,000 on clubs and a country club membership. You went to a driving range you know, a couple dozen times and you know, played in a couple of tournaments with friends and you realized, not my thing, okay? Which is a much lower risk level. However, by exposing yourself enough to it, it's like uh, we used to tell our college interns that I wanted them to have their experience be that they would eat a lot of olives because ash do you like olives I'm, i can't say i'm a
0: fan but uh you know i'll take it in a pizza every now and then okay but you yeah. know you don't like olives yeah yeah and how did you discover that uh, it's just a yeah just just like the gut feeling i think
1: yeah but you tried them right yeah i did try them yeah okay and you try it enough to be able to determine yes i like them or no i don't mm-hmm. and that's why i wanted those interns to learn and i told them 75 percent of you won't like this And I want you to walk away knowing that this is not the right field for you, but respecting what it takes to be successful and knowing that you work with a good company, you had good mentors, uh, you know, that we're doing the right thing, we're acting athletically, all that, so you become an ambassador, but you've got enough experience to know what we do and that it's not for you, okay? Same thing, you want to learn ballroom dancing, okay? You go take a bunch of lessons for... You know, a month or two. Okay. Give yourself enough exposure to it so that you can decide, yeah, I want to keep doing this. Yeah. This was a good experience or, you know what? I got two left feet. I'm never doing this again, but I picked something up from it. And by having those, that exposure to lots of different things, you're going to find the things that you really enjoy that get your passion going it might be something that you never even you know, thought about. Like I picked up curling about eight years ago. And I was like, okay i'll try it well, that turned now, out to be now, a lot of fun now you're an honorary canadian welcome <laughs> I, dude i am so canadian you know i love poutine i'm taking my kids for ice cream tonight even though it's like 15 <laughs> degrees out yeah so i live halfway between new york city and montreal right and right. just north of me is where everything starts turning into french yeah
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, I actually
1: I, do call my friends posers and I do say hey. so yeah I'm <laughs> actually super I, I love it because
0: I mean I think there's a zest for life in what you in the way you describe yourself and um, you know when I'm sort of talking to somebody like yourself that has exudes that energy there's a lot of you know I'd like to sort of pick and understand so that other people can understand like it's it's that energy doesn't just come out of nowhere right like it comes from a desire um to to better oneself and you're always talking about you know molding it yourself into a better person um so you know when at what point like to when you know let's say most people they don't have they're not michael jordan right like right. you're talking about golf and michael jordan used to play golf too but he used to fail in golf and joke about it but yep. meanwhile he's michael jordan right and most of us don't get to have that talent out there that's, you know, like right there in front of us to monetize or to, to be prodigy children right there and then. So, you know, how do you approach people like that and say, hey, listen, you know, find your own excellence or you find your own talent
1: that will help you sort of, um, you know, get, get to a better place? Well, one way to look at it, and I've got teenage kids, so they love playing video games is life is a video game in a lot of ways. And so I'm not getting older, I'm leveling up by the way. But in the end, we all wanna get to the castle, save the princess, have the chest of gold and all the rewards. Now to do that, you need to have skills, abilities and resources. You might need to get allies or what have you. So. To get there, you need to know. Okay, this is w- what the goal is. So first, you have to determine a goal, and that goal could be as simple as I want to get my black belt. I want to graduate. You know, from university. I want to, you know, drive a BMW by the time I'm 30. Those are okay starting goals because you clarify things more in the process of getting there. You know, so uh, winning the game has different definitions. Like excellence has different definitions or happiness has different definitions, but have at least a vague idea of where you want to go overall. Start moving in that direction. And don't be afraid to go off the beaten path because entrepreneurship, um, success in business, writing, any creative endeavor is not linear. It's not even nicely non-linear. It is basically like flight of the bumblebee. It's like tracking a butterfly in a lot of ways. But if the goal is to rescue the princess and beat the bad guy at the end, and you need all these resources, look at everything like side quests. You know, your side quest might be to recover your health. That's taking a couple of days vacation. The side quest might be to be able to read this weird map. Okay, that's taking an accounting class or working in a startup and learning new ideas, or watching a whole bunch of YouTube videos around something that you find vaguely interesting to see if it actually interests you more. Steve Jobs, when he dropped out of college, took a calligraphy class. And if it weren't for that class, we wouldn't have all the cool fonts on our computer today. So, as he said, it's only looking back, you can connect the dots, but look at everything as an opportunity to learn something, to earn something, to get something that can help you overall. My father always taught me to look for the pearls of excellence, the pearls of wisdom in anything you're doing. Like if you go to a conference, see if you can get that one idea. If you're going, you know, out on a date, get that one, you know, good thing about this other person. If you're taking a class, get one idea that you can take away and be able to apply, have a little victory every single day, because you get these pearls of wisdom and excellence. You string enough of them together, you become rich. So have that attitude and occasionally look back and say, all right, what am I trying to accomplish here? Am I still trying to save this princess? Do I still want to become senior partner at this firm? do I still want to build this type of company? Or am I realizing that, no, that doesn't fire me up to the point where I want to get out of bed without an alarm. clock? As Nietzsche said, if for any man who has a why, they will be able to, a strong enough why, they will be able to overcome any how. Simon Sinek says the same sort of thing, what's your why? So if you've got something that's really, you're discovering, oh, that's sort of cool, and then you go a little bit further into it. No, that's really good. Cool. And do, over time, you're like, oh, I love this. And you get to that point. Guess what? You're going to start sacrificing other things to achieve that, Whether it's like, no, I'm not going out until 3 o'clock in the morning because I want to get up and be able to run this marathon. Or I'm going to take these classes to get this designation because it's going to help me do this career that I love because I love all these different components on Or I'm going to work on this project because I just want to see the outcome. I'm enjoying it. So you need to start with some vague idea of where you're going. But as you move along in your journey, you're going to figure out more whether you want to be at this place or this place that's somewhat different. But none of those experiences or skills or people or resources that you're getting along the way should be wasted, ultimately, because It might be ideas, but if you put together two ideas and then have something else come out of it, well, that's productive to you. If you meet somebody that you learn something from or they can make you smile or they introduce you to a new hobby or a new type of food that you enjoy or anything like that, that person might ultimately leave your life, but the effects of them being in your life is still there. So look at everything as these opportunities, and so every day is a blank page in your book. You know, don't let it be a blank page. At the end of the day, go on out and expose yourself. Find some stuff. You know, do things, even if that doing thing is practicing your uh, art, whether it's. Uh, regular art or music or learning a language or whatever even if it's that it doesn't look like you're making progress or there's you know a big shiny uh star to put on the calendar for that day it's still a good day because you have gotten better overall
0: yeah I mean you've mentioned a lot of great things especially uh, on variety and um just love your gamification of it because a lot of my listeners will be gamers and me included. Uh, growing up, you know, feeling like uh, video games these days are a lot uh, of character building, right? Like you said, side quests and leveling up, and now they've just made that even more complex. There's games out there that people are spending seventy plus hours a week on, oh. and, and I'm like, you know, there's got to be a way of gamifying life the same way that helps you put the same hours into yourself and, you know, charting your own stats. So what are the- Well, martial that...
1: arts has this with the belt ranks.
0: Yeah, so martial arts does
1: that. So you can look at it, like if you're gonna get a designation, let's say it takes 10 classes to get a particular designation in your field. You know what? You can see that your progress bar on that. There. So There's... look at how you can do this with yourself. Let's say you wanna run a marathon. Okay, I'm gonna, I need to run, 42 kilometers in four months, right? That means I need to be able to run 30 kilometers at this point, this is my training plan and you get on your program. So we can gamify our entire life. And that's actually one of the ways that I say that people can find joy because I love the process. Okay? I loved training in martial arts more than I loved winning the tournaments. OK, I loved getting up and training every day, going to class, working hard, you know, getting to the point where I was like dripping sweat and nasty and all that. I loved the process and found my happiness there, not in yet another, uh, you know, trophy that's going to collect dust or you know, another medal from a race. You know, it's more the entire process and sitting there in the van with my running team and doing all that as opposed to this nice little shiny thing at the end that makes a great wind chime.
0: Yeah, I guess it's, a, it's about finding your belonging too, right? As much as it is finding the love for the process, it's it's uh, the like you said, I think a belonging for your your tribe or your kind of people or wherever you are, your mental wave, wavelengths uh, are sort of sinking with other people. So, I mean, going back to one thing you said is, you know, people hate losing, right? And I think that is the main hesitation a lot of us have in our heads is, you know, sure, uh, there's folks out there that are trying everything, and and they have this love and zest for life, because, you know, I think the variety being that spice of life, everybody says, hey, I tried these things, now I'm more open to things, but I think it's that initial step that becomes the, you know, it's like going to the gym, or going into that martial arts class, where it's snowing outside, and, you know, your car is, like, just, like, cold as hell, and, like, you just, like, you know, everything that the walk up to that that door uh, to the gym until that your mind is all in this negative zone. Like, how do we rewire our our neurology in, in, in that sense, you know, to, to get to that next step?
1: Part of its future feeling, David Goggins talked about this, how he was willing to go through three hell weeks uh, for the, the Navy SEALs to have that 30 seconds of feeling of walking across the stage. As a martial artist, I visualized winning a tournament, my first big tournament for six months, every morning and every night with an instant hook kick. And when it happened, that's actually how I won that tournament. So I put myself in that feeling, uh, in that position. You know, what feels like when you get your PhD, when you cross the marathon, when, you know, the wedding day, what have you, you know, sitting inside the new BMW, if that's your goal. So find out what that feeling is gonna be. Picture it, and then reinforce it. And like when it, the car is you know frozen, and you don't want to go and drive to the martial arts class, remember that feeling, because glory lies on the other side of pain. So that pain might be going and getting in the car at o oh dark o'clock in the morning when it's minus fifteen degrees out to go to the gym, and then beat yourself up and you know hurt yourself. So that you can get better. But if what's on the far side is that important to you, you know, this is the reason why you see these people who are married and have, you know, two kids and are working three jobs and they're still going and getting their degree because what that is that important to them. And we're gonna have all these decisions leading up to that point. You know, I can sit on the couch and I can eat my Cheetos, or I can get up and go run a 5K. You know, I can go on my phone and go to an app that I shouldn't be going to, or I can, you know, make the better choice. I can play video games or study for my test. And in almost every situation, we can boil down the choices into two subsets. There's the easy choice, and there's the more difficult right choice. The easy choice feels good in the moment. It gives us that you know serotonin and dopamine and all that okay i'm gonna sit here i'm gonna on my butt and play video games okay but what happens at the end is it makes you point downward a little bit as opposed to okay i'm not going to do that i'm going to go work out and it's a more difficult decision but the outcome is better you feel better you're physically better you're resilience has been improved. So you've got better decision-making skills and the outcome is up. You know, I can go and spend $100 on beer or I can, you know, spend $5 on beer and put the rest of the money aside for, you know, buying a house down the road. Okay. And it's those small decisions of what feels good versus what's going to ultimately make me better. And as I say, it's excellent as opposed to convenience. And if you can get to the point where you understand the longer term outcomes of them, not how you feel in the next five minutes, but after you make that choice, how do you feel after going to the gym instead of sitting on your butt and watching The Bachelor? How do you feel after purchasing the house instead of you know going and buying a bunch of beaver tails and wasting your money today? How do you feel long range? And so it's being able to touch the future and bring it into the present, and that's how you're going to be able to make those better choices overall.
0: Yeah, I, I really like the idea of knowing that feeling that that sense of accomplishment that comes with sitting down on the couch after a long day, as
1: opposed to sitting on the couch all day. Um, you know, earn your Saturday nights. Yes, earn your beer. Okay. If yeah. I go and run 10 miles, I'm allowed to have a donut and that's donut tastes awesome. <laughs> make it a Boston cream, you know, make it. Oh, a, absolutely. That's the yeah. only type of donut. To
0: have. <laughs> absolutely. So, I mean, and one of those things that um, you, you mentioned on your site and in the book as well is just do what you should today. Um, I think that's a very powerful motto. So, and, and you know, excellence, like I said, the word itself can be a little bit too ambitious for certain people, right? Mm-hmm. Just the fact that, you know, there are people that have achieved it, there's super celebrities, there's people on the 1%, like you said, um, and then there's everyday people trying to see, hey, I mean,
1: where, where do I start? So you mentioned, you know, touch- Well, that's why it's everyday excellence because, you know, those people who are in the top 1%, guess what? They are still trying to get better, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, Marcus Aurelius, when Emperor Rome, was still going to go listen to various philosophers so he could learn what he did not know. Tom Brady wins the Super Bowl and a couple of days later is back watching films so he can get better. Yep. You know, So if people who have that excellence demand even more from themselves, and those of us who are just here every day, you know what? Every day I can get a little bit better. I can make the better choices so that I don't have to be the top one percenter. I can be an average Joe, but I can be a better version of myself than I was previously. I mean, I love Yankees games. And you know, I, as I said, I like cheeseburgers and poutine and all this stuff. So am I ever gonna have a six pack? No. I'm comfortable with that. I'm willing to make the trade-off of, okay, I can have poutine every couple of weeks. I can have you know, my donut after I run 10 miles. I'm willing to trade off being an absolutely elite individual in some ways to have quality of life. And so I'm not saying everybody has to go on out and try and be a one percenter, but you know what? You can be better than what you are with some micro decisions and you're gonna feel better about yourself for it.
0: I think the quality of life uh, point you made is very important there, right? Because every, like you said, I can hire tomorrow, if I have the money and opportunity, I can hire a trainer and get that six pack and still eat the hot dogs and cheeseburgers and Boston cream donuts, right? And still do everything I wanna do. Um, and and I, when you look at these professionals that have those chisel bodies or that have those successful businesses, it takes a team, it takes a village, you know? And And you're right, you know, listen, everybody cannot, aim for that eliteness, because if we did, then it would be, you know, kind of an aggressive environment out there, no? So I think back to finding the quality of life for everybody, uh, balance of of physical and mental. So you said, you know, you do martial arts, marathoning, you're geeking out on things. Where's that mental balance strike uh, on your daily, uh, on the daily, like, what do you sort of, how do you start your day? and think, hey, you know, I need to think positive. What is it that's going through? What are your mantras that you sort of saying that help you uh, get there mentally?
1: So one of the things that I do is I'm a big fan of James Clear's Atomic Habits, specifically the habit stacking. And I'm ADHD, so if I don't set up my environment for success, I will be an absolute dumpster fire. It'll be highly irritating, but I will get nothing done. I literally have like 20, tabs open on my computer right now luckily there's no circus music play but that's what i'm like i understand it so i do things with those constraints to maximize what i'm doing within certain things so i get up i grab my cup of coffee and i have a half a cup of coffee there and i turn on the coffee pot because i prepped it the night before because your day begins the night before so it's ready to go so i have that half cup i sit down i read um, right now, I'm reading The Daily Laws by Robert Green. Last year, it was Daily Stoic. and I read my page in the book every single day, and I do those action items, And then I sit there, and actually, before I read, I actually brain dump anything that was in my head, because I, I have some weird dreams, and your subconscious is processing stuff. So I just dump that on out, then I read, then I get up, and I work out for 20 minutes. And one of the things I do every single morning is that I do 100 punches each hand because that's the most fundamental technique that I know in martial arts. And I've done that every single day for 35 plus years. I've thrown over 10 million punches with each hand. I don't have to think about it, but you know I go back to my basics and I do that every single morning so that I can build from there, be able to recapture Shoshin the beginner's mind, and be able to approach that day. Then I sit back down and I write for a little bit. Might be 10 minutes, might be 30 minutes, but I write every single day. Then I go about doing the normal sort of things like breakfast, showering, and all that sort of stuff. But by setting my day up that way, I've arranged the dominoes so that they're going to fall in the positive manner that I want.
0: That's, that's like it's amazing, and one of those things that uh, it struck me was, you said, yeah, you remember the punches that you've landed. Um, I feel like there's a certain sense of meticulousness to, to the way you approach it, uh, which is it's just amazing because a lot of it is the will, like you said, the will set. When you go back to um, ocean again, I'm just curious because I find that people that have achieved this level of... Um, let's say enlightenment on themselves um let's say you know on maslow's hierarchy they're like at level four like self-actualization um there's a there's a sense of extroversion right like do you did you consider yourself an introvert growing up was there some mindset change you had to do to say hey you know i have to be more open with others and tell them about who i am and be more open to uh, criticism be more open to Uh, feedback and opinions like those are the things that we all sort of deal with to say hey you know what I don't I'm not gonna let somebody else shape my opinion of who I am of course but you know you're sharing this with other people and listeners now Um, so always people start start to think well I'm too introverted I may not
1: even get there well in terms of introversion versus extroversion that's weird because I'm very much an ambivert You know, sometimes I need to have exposure to other people, especially if I need to observe, get stimulation, get new ideas, but I am totally cool with spending five hours on my own, not interacting with anybody. Um, I'm very much a Sigma male in a lot of ways in that I don't care about the uh, traditional power hierarchies. I'm not gonna climb corporate ladder. I'm gonna do my thing, okay? You know, I climb the ranks in martial arts and yeah, yeah, y'all go teach and I have students and, you know, pay respect to my master's and above, but I'm also very comfortable going on out and training on my own for uh, an extended period of time. You know, I'll write a book, I'll come on in, I'll coach with an organization and help them for a bit. I could, I've been offered the opportunity to run organizations. You know what? I want to deal with that. So having this... Ability to move in and out as appropriate is something that I think more people need to develop because yes, it's always nice to have some external justification. You know, you get the medal at the end of the race, you get the attaboy, you get the reward, but it's also having that internal drive of, I'm doing this because of professional pride to do the best possible job because I enjoy it. So, When you have something to say, you have knowledge that you can share, you can help other people be better, then yes, you do have, in my opinion, a responsibility to do that. My mom, as I said, was a teacher, uh, an instructor, and she said that if you can teach somebody, if you can help somebody out, you have a moral responsibility to do that. But that doesn't mean that you have to spend your entire life you know, in organizations and doing these other things simply because if that ends up draining you, and we see this with teachers very often, is that it drains them giving so much. So you need to be able to go take your side quest and recharge in some capacities. And so having resilience, having this flexibility so that you can maximize your capabilities and then share as appropriate with others. That is really the secret.
0: Yeah, and like, um, when I was sort of reading what you, and you've also mentioned on the podcast already is convenience versus excellence, right? Convenience has a cost, the cost compounds. Um, I'm just curious, you know, how does that apply with relationships? You know, we, we talked about professionally, we talked about, you know, personal ambitions. But you know uh, you know yourself, you're being a dad, you know a sibling, a mentor, everybody's got some daily relationships they need to manage. How do you um, find the intersection there right? like excellence is
1: well, it, it doesn't seem like a switch. It feels like it's an attitude. It, it is an attitude. So like my kids joke that I'm the worst father ever and I'm like, thank you <laughs> um, because I tell them no all the time. By the way, they right. also, You see, by the way, I have to say with your gamification analogy, I think you're a perfect dad for a lot of people, To trust me. (laughs) So I tell them, you know, I I don't have a favorite. I hate them all equally. (laughs) Again, one of six kids, my mom used to say that, but, you know, my uh, youngest son, my 11-year-old actually observed, yeah, you hate us equally, but you love us all in our own way. Right. I'm like, yes, buddy, I do. (laughs) So... You know, if you've got a kid who's doing something horrible, like, you know, breaking glasses, yeah, right, you have a responsibility to say, Hey, knock it off. I'm going to smack your bottom. Okay. They need to learn that's not a good thing. And it would be easy to just let them run wild. It'd be easy to not toilet train a two year old. But guess what? If they get to five and they're going to school and they're not toilet trained. Is that the best thing for them? Is that good in any way, shape, or form? No. So you have to have that difficult conversation. Hey, kid, you know, I love you, but you need to do your homework. Because if you don't start doing your homework when you're four and five years old and learning to enjoy school and you know, learning to do that work, you're not going to have success long range because you're not going to learn to do the difficult things that are important for long range. And so uh having the kids have chores and you know showing them how to clean a bathroom properly and then supervising it oh no that's not done right do it again do it again and you do that you know a half dozen times and even with teenagers they get to the point where they actually do it right so that you stop harassing them and so it would be just easier for me to do it myself but that means i'm going to be doing it myself forever and they're not going to learn to do things properly. Because as I teach uh, with Cub Scouts, when I'm teaching slingshot, I tell them this is a weapon just like a air rifle, just like a bow and arrow. So you're gonna learn the safety with this and build up from there. And I take kids off of the range with a slingshot when most other people would be like, no, you know, just let them do it. I'm like, no because they're not gonna get that bad habit and they're gonna learn. And guess what? Every other kid's gonna learn, you don't mess around like that. And so eventually when they're shooting like actual rifles, I don't have to worry as much because I have beaten it into them early on. Same thing with like martial arts, okay? You, you could slack and let you know kids advance, You know, white belt, yellow belt and all that, or you can be a little bit tougher so that they have good fundamentals and they learn how to train old saying sweat more in practice bleed less in battle right that's amazing you be tougher earlier and then they earn the right for the privileges and like my kid got in trouble a couple of weeks ago for doing something stupid that he should have done guess what privileges revoked you just lost six months worth of progress kid he's like all and he has to earn it back or I could just let my kid do whatever he wants. He can become a juvenile delinquent and eventually be, you know, like an evil supervillain and take over the world, which is a bad outcome. So, have the more difficult conversation earlier. And you allow this. You know, if you're dating someone, and you know they do a lot of things that are not good, like they're flirting with other people right when they're with you, you know, you need to put a stop to that because either they're, they're gonna always do it and eventually they're gonna cheat and they're gonna have like 10 dating apps on their phone and you know have 15 different profiles and all that sort of stuff, which I have seen with people or you're gonna say no, okay? And if you say no early on, yeah, you might miss out on some of the good stuff with them but there's other people that you can have it with but you're also gonna miss out on the incredibly expensive divorce and the heartache and everything else. So having the difficult conversations earlier, it is better to be alone than to settle. It is better to say no so that you can say yes down the road. It's better to be difficult early. Have a high activation energy if you want to be really nerdy about it so that you can have all the good stuff down the road. Make it difficult early so that everything else down the road is easy and good.
0: I think what's really, what comes across here is um, learning. Uh, it doesn't stop anytime, right? Like you're learning as a parent, nope. you're learning as a sibling, you're learning as, um, you know, a partner, however. But, and like that, like you said, it's kind of like a level of being an autodidact, like picking things up on your own and applying them to yourself. I think like when you're talking about children, it's really key because I, a lot of it comes up Um, when talking about these similar topics is, you know, why aren't we doing this in in schools earlier, right, like the moral philosophy of responsibility. Um, When you you travel and and Anthony Bourdain once said, you know, travel is fatal to prejudice. Um, He said that and he said that because he went to parts of the world where he saw cultures are formed based on their childhood education. And he went to Japan, and you know, and Japan has this you know, like very nice sort of way of saying to uh, teaching kids lunchtime is a as a class. You know, how to eat lunch, how to clean up after yourself, how to you know hold a tray. Some kids, the kid that my, my born... nieces
1: were in Japan for until they were like five or six years old, because my brother-in-law being a Navy guy, so they learned very different things, even like how they go about mathematics and everything than what my kids learned, and so having exposure to all these different ideas you the kids can then assimilate them to come on up with their own particular alloy of their personality yeah and it's great. partially you have to guide kids because if you don't give them guidance then it becomes lord of the flies but you know it's that balance you know do you micromanage them and make them write out something 5000 times on the board Or do you let them experientially learn? And it should be a combination of both so that they learn okay, I need to have repetition and practice, but also I need to explore so I can understand and appreciate.
0: Yeah. And like what, what I found interesting about just other cultures was like, you know, like for example, in many cultures, lunchtime is a lesson. Uh, so using the Japan example uh, in the US and Canada over here, what we do is lunchtime is a break. It's it's like, all right, the teachers get off, you know, uh, yep. they're, they're no longer uh, taking care of the kids the same way. And and to each their own, like you said, you're molding the kids and taking a little bit of them, making an alloy, alloy out of it. Um, at what point do you think, you know, do we say, Um, you know a a little bit of these breaks like you know uh, exercise and things like that that we're teaching our kids a lot of that has a little bit more practical lessons than let's say algebra that you know I to this day I
1: do not know the usage of trigonometry but I I I actually used the Pythagorean theorem the other day to figure something out but you know (laughs) the big thing is that we need to realize that kids are meant to move. Kids need 60 minutes of activity a day. And if you're getting physical activity, you look at an EEG afterwards, the brain, it lights up. Same thing like with music, the brain Mm. lights up. So having these things mixed on in is critical to actually getting them more successful, especially with kids with ADHD, which has become a huge issue. You can, like, you know, stick them in the corner or, you know, try and do these things, or you can take that and you can use it. Okay. So, for example, I remember when I was getting ready for my AP uh, mathematics exam 30 plus years ago, I was actually in the weight room and I was repeating formulas to myself on every single set. When I was getting ready for my CFP exam, I was prepping for my first marathon. So I was listening to tax code on my headset while running. Okay. And it embedded it better. So combine these different things. Listen to music while you're studying because it will make you that much more receptive. you know, do physical activity while you're trying to do something else by combining these things. And they should be doing this with the kids early on it brings joy to the learner. I mean, that is one of the best things that my parents gave me was this desire to understand and learn from whatever source. And to know that, as my mom said, never let school interfere with your education, the old Mark Twain quote. So you know what? Get them a bug jug and let them crawl around and then look at things. That's one of the th- reasons why scouting is so important is that it gets the kids out. It's teaching them practical applications in a fun environment, and they're more likely to learn this. So going sort of to that gamification, if there was mathematics embedded in the video games, Mm. the kids would learn it better. Yes. And so why not look at some of the more non-traditional ways of learning because, most of our education system both north of the border and down here is designed to produce clones that are ready to follow orders and do things and i'm the one wearing the suit and tie but you know uh, know, to do that as opposed to be free thinkers to be able to understand to have a desire to oh i want to understand that i'm going to go learn that so that i can be better and i'm going to export my ideas to these other components which is where video game design and all these things are at the intersection of multiple different points. And we're seeing this with bioinformatics, we're seeing this with uh, biophysics, biochemistry, we're seeing this in all these different arenas where it's multiple different disciplines coming into play, have true success. So if that is where the entire universe of work is evolving towards, why are we not applying it actually to the education so that we can have the kids jumping up and down and, you know, Reciting math facts at the same time, so that they're burning off some of their energy, so that parents don't kill them at night, but also you know learning and embedding it and making it so that they are better behaved and uh, better socialized yeah. simultaneously.
0: I mean, I feel like Finland has has like that lockdown. And if you read about the Finnish education system, it's ranked I think the best in the world in many ways, where they end school at 2 p.m. or like 1 p.m. Yep. and they let the kids choose an uh, an elective course every year or a couple elective courses uh, from between one to four and it's up to them you know some kids don't choose an elective they're like hey I got off uh, school early sure and then a lot of them are like I'll choose music I'll choose woodworking I'm going to choose something that
1: interests me and it helps develop that passion and that is one of the best things about it because self-guided learning ultimately becomes that much stronger and, and, and so we see a major change within the college and university system based on COVID over the next couple of years, where you're seeing a lot more self-designed programs.
0: Yeah, and like, uh, and when you said the Mark Twain quote, you yeah, don't let school get in the way of education," I think there's a really challenging moment here right now for millennials, right? And I wanted to ask you this too, which is, you know, the generation that grew up in the '80s and '90s, the generation that was has been kids for longer. You know, we've um, had that, you know, when you were using the example of homework, you know, parents did the homework and, you know, they didn't, they didn't like necessarily say, hey, you're all right, you know, do this yourself at four or five, right? Uh, and now it's not to say that that's always the case for everybody, but to say now that things like understanding money, things like understanding home ownership, the dreams the previous generations had, you know, like you said, maybe my dream is to drive a Beamer by 30 or own a house. Um, a lot of people are not able to access those dreams the same way. I think that's what's beating us down a little bit and, and this generation down a little bit is, you know, are the odds stacked against us or, how, or, or has this always been the case? You know,
1: odds have us? always been stacked against young people. Always. Okay. Because you have to come into an organization where you're being told what to do by people more advanced. You got to remember, even within the medical community, within 24 months, over 50% of what they learned in school is outdated. If you look at computer world or finance or other things, it's that sort of half-life there too. Okay, so you've got somebody who's 20 years older than you, who's grumpy, who's, you know, set in their ways, trying to tell you what to do. So that's the way it's been right along. The fact that There is so much gig economy that there's the opportunity to go to so many startups or build your own thing now is some, and you can work anywhere you want. I mean, remote learning and work has been getting higher and higher for years. So we don't necessarily need to be there with the boss looking over our shoulder like I had to deal with 25 years ago. So your generation if they're willing to learn from the past, but apply the flexible mindset that comes from your era, where, you know, my friends who make video games used to be that when the game was done, it was put on a disc and shipped. So it had to work. And so, you know, if you send out a patch, it would take weeks or months where that game was not functional. Now, boom, instant download. You know, it's pushed on out instantaneously. So the cycle time is shorter and the risks of failure are so much smaller early on. And so, but a lot of people from your generation because they've been told what to do, aren't looking to figure it out themselves. You know, my mom used to kick us out in the backyard and say, okay, you know, I'll see you at lunch. I don't want to see the other end coming in for the bathroom. Go drink from the, you know, the garden hose. Don't die. All right. That's what I was like growing up in the 70s, you know, as a farm kid. So, but you know, I look at my nieces and nephews and even my kids in some ways. And it's like, okay, we got this this time, we got this this time, this this time. They're not forced to be bored so to to figure it out. They're not forced to figure things out to overcome with limited resources which is great training to be in a startup is, okay, you've got just the stuff that you found out in the woods to figure out and play with. So amuse yourself. So it is that having things too easy for them, they haven't learned to play and explore and understand it. But you guys also have the entire world at your fingertips through the internet. MIT has their entire course curriculum online on YouTube you Mm can go watch it at any point you have Khan Academy there's probably a thousand different channels on financial planning for Canadians Mm -hmm. so it's not like the opportunities aren't there it's that people either one are paralyzed by too much information you know now paralysis by analysis and so they don't know what to do and they haven't necessarily built a mental framework to learn new things and extract the truth and integrate it with their current knowledge system and mental models. And that's really, I throw that on the parents and I throw that on the school systems, we're not teaching them how to think.
0: Yeah, Steve Pinker wrote a book on, on this. And one of the things, the quotes he had was we just forget that we have running tap water, we have you know you can turn it hot and cold. You can have food in your on your plate. You know the satiated needs that you know that people were fighting for for years. That we were we now consider hygiene factors in our lives. You know um, the fact that like you said, MIT has their entire library online. That's just the just the fact that to sort of imagine that you know um, that that all that education is around us. Yet we still are following the steps of I need to ge- get an undergrad degree, I need to then get an MBA, I yep. need to then put myself saddle myself with debt uh, in order to get an opportunity to prove myself to get into that organization or or that field of work or industry. So, like you said, I think there needs to be a, a reworking both ways, right? Like you said, yep. institutionally and uh, the individual to understand that. You know, standing out matters more than fitting in. Um, Exactly.
1: Differences sell. If there's 100 salespeople lined up and 99 of them are selling things that are essentially identical and they're wearing the same blue suit, and then there's the lady with the orange top who is selling something completely different, who are you going to pay attention to? Who's going to get the sales? Exactly. Okay? So... The other thing is that when we look at college and university and even the early stages of your working career, the world is a smorgasbord, okay? you can, I mean, I, I was a physicist and I also picked up a degree in communications while I was taking classes in you know just some bizarre stuff because it's like, okay, I can, I can learn this and you can audit them. So you're not responsible for getting a grade or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And there's all these, classes or clubs that you can join. So I learned how to make holograms and that led to some work within uh, optics. I joined the juggling club. So I know how to juggle, You know, which is very good when you're, you're like running a small business and have kids and all that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I took cooking classes. I, in the fraternity, I would hang out with guys with very different backgrounds so I could draw from their knowledge and experience. So some of my closest friends like grew up on the Mexican border or were born in Hong Kong, you know, and so completely different life experiences, completely different mindsets and skill sets. And so I exposed myself to all this and they introduced me to other people and other concepts. And so just go and drink deeply of life, experience it, because if it weren't for my fraternity brother Harper, getting me back into Taekwondo, I would have never gotten back into Taekwondo and met my master, who ended up I named my kids after, and you know, gone on and won world championships and all this. If it weren't for him, if it weren't for uh, another friend, I never would have found some of the music that I truly love. Mm-hmm. If it weren't for another buddy, I would have never joined the Ancient Order Hibernians and made some great friendships. If it weren't for somebody else. I never wanted to have joined a national association where I've gotten a chance to travel all over the United States and meet some wonderful people. It's, you know, everybody's presented these opportunities. Like here, here's an envelope with something in it. I don't know if it's, you know, a check for a million dollars. I don't know if it's an expired coupon from 10 years ago, but here's an envelope. Right. Are you going to open it or not? Because yeah, if you open enough it. of those envelopes you're gonna find some checks and you're gonna find maybe a dead bug and you're gonna find something cool yeah but people are handed this opportunity and they're like no thank you that's it that's it i think uh, that's the crux
0: of it and you've really laid out some really i think uh nuggets of wisdom here and i'm really really grateful and really thankful that uh, you took the time to that chat um, I think a lot of it comes down to willpower and attitude, but the will set, like you said, uh, very, very strong words there. Um, just to, to cap things off, uh, if you have anything to plug or uh, a message to send to the listeners, um, stage is all yours.
1: Oh, thank you. So go to my website, actually, everyday-excellence.com. Five days a week, I put up a microblog blog up there. So you can get these one to two minute Quick hits of insight, knowledge, challenges, things like that to help you diversify your will set and skill set and grow. Um, books available at all the normal places, Amazon, and you yeah, have the website, other things like that. Follow me on Twitter uh, at EDE with Joe. That's at EDE for Everyday Excellence with Joe. I put out a lot of stuff there. And this isn't really an ask for me in terms of getting something monetary from it, it's let me share this with you because eventually something's gonna resonate with you. If I can give you new information, new ideas, all that expose some new concepts to you, you're gonna grow and you're going to become excellent by your own definition.
0: Lovely, thank you so much, Joe. The website is everyday-excellence.com and the book is Everyday Excellence. Thank you so much for your time. Ash, this has been awesome.
1: Be excellent and grow today.
0: Love it. Love it. Thank you so much.